picked up in Acts 26, 13 through 18. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. It's good to be here with you all. I see some friendly, familiar faces in the crowd and lots of unfamiliar faces. So my name is Jill, if you've not met me before. I'm the mother of Hannah, probably that will situate most of you. So my daughter Hannah lives here in the city. You get to that age, right, when she's not like Jill's daughter, I'm Hannah's mom. It's good to be back here. I flew in yesterday and um, almost didn't get here. I was in, in LaGuardia or um, Newark Airport and we had just kind of gone out on the, the, the tarmac to fly off and another plane landed, did a double bounce, popped a wheel and just was kind of like disabled there on, on the, um, the runway. So they shut down the entire airport. So intercessors across Hamilton were praying madly that they could fix it so that I could get back here and be with you. Um, and so I got up this morning and I did my regular Hamilton thing. I get up early. 4.35-ish, um, which is easy when you're jet-lagged. But, um, and I went to Tim Hortons. I have to say, you know, in England, I moved to England a year ago. It's the land of tea. But there's just nothing like a Tim Hortons steep tea. Can I get an amen? No? Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, and I've been craving for, for six months. I've been craving a bacon belt, right? I'm just like, there's just, I've been looking, I have been scouring England for that, that just right combination of egg and grease and goodness, and, and you just can't find it. So I was really delighted this morning, and I, so I got my steep tea, and I got my bacon belt, and I did my regular morning circuit. So I was part of a community here in Hamilton, it was my spiritual practice to get up every morning, just as dawn was rising over the harbor front, and walk the harbor front area. It's just beautiful. The quality of light that time of day is amazing. And so I get up and I got my steep tea and my bacon belt and I'm kind of doing the rounds. And I realized this time of year, you have to be careful because the blackbirds are nesting. Anybody walk the waterfront recently? I got dive bombed like four times. I mean, they are small, but they are fierce. They're just like paying you on the side of your head as you're going by the, <laughs> the nest. It's, uh, anyway, I, uh, I, See, I was just watching, you know, I'm going down the trail and I can hear them. You know, they got that warning cry and I know, so I'm like, I see you, you see me. And I do this sort of large skirt around where their nests are so they don't get me. But um, anyway, so that was, that was my morning. It was beautiful to be back in this city again, the city that I love. So I was living and loving and working and praying here. We were building this little house of prayer we call Go Hop in Hamilton. It's going on 18 years now. 
and uh, just trying to gather people across the city in these crazy experiments of what does it look like for us to be a, a community empowered by the Holy Spirit to give ourselves generously to Jesus in prayer and mission, justice, loving our neighbors. Um, so it's it's good to be home. I, I had 18 years of being shaped by this city that you guys live in, being shaped by this environment. When I got, when I got, actually I took the GO train into, uh, the GO train station in downtown Hamilton, I was going to catch an Uber to where I'm staying, and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I had to sit on a park bench and just kind of soak up all the soot and the gray and the grubbiness. <laughs> and it just felt so good to be home. And I had to take a bus. I needed to take a Hamilton bus. Um, because I've been shaped by this city. I've been shaped by this place. And I've taken my journey in the city and the stories of the city into my, my new environment. I, uh, so I did 18 years here, and, and we were kind of learning together how to be a community empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then I got sort of picked up and catapulted. I got interrupted and invited into a, a new sort of circle, a new assignment from the Lord. And it's been crazy, you guys. I feel like Alice in Wonderland, who just kind of fell down the rabbit hole and landed in this whole new territory. And I've just spent the last year just looking around, just just shaking my head, going, how did I end up here? This is curiouser and curiouser. So I just, I was in, I was in Newark because I was just in New York City and I was meeting, consulting with leaders from an organization called Pray NYC, and, uh, and then another group who are doing prayer, uh, Brooklyn. And so their, their vision is to mobilize prayer, awakening prayer across New York City. Small vision, right? Just a, just a little vision. And the guy in Brooklyn said, the percentage of Christians in Brooklyn, 0.1%. Talk about unreached people group. Anyway, so I was there just helping them to think and pray through, like, how do we reach New York City? Small job. Anyway, and I was just like, I have no idea why you want me here, but here I am. And then, and then last weekend, I was in uh, Swansea in Wales, and I just had the privilege of being with 500 pastors from all over Wales. So Wales, we know, is, is where the there's so much revival and awakening has come from Wales, but because of that, because of the history of revival coming and going, they don't like using the R word. They're like, I don't want to talk about revival. So, you know, we were talking to them, and, and we were just doing this pastor's training with them over a weekend. We're like, so what's going on with you, you know, these days? And they're like, well, we've been praying for about 20 years, and then we started doing, we just started seeing how we could bless our neighborhoods and serve our neighborhoods. Because right now in the UK, it's, it's this, this season of austerity. So the government has pulled back, cut back tremendously in terms of its social supports. So the church in the UK and Swansea and, and Wales has had to really step up. They said, okay, for the last 20 years, we've just been loving the poor, loving our neighbor, just trying to be just family on mission in our neighborhoods. And now, normal, like every day, it's crazy, they said, People are getting saved. They're meeting Jesus, like, every day. And normal Christian living for them is people getting healed, like, healings. It's just, like, I mean, we just sat and heard story after story after story of normal Christian living for them. Looks like people meeting Jesus and being healed. But they don't want to use the R word. 
right? It's not revival, but everybody's getting saved and everybody's getting healed. <laughs> so it was just amazing, absolutely astounding, so humbling to be with them. And then I, you know, I, and I've been in Ibiza, Spain, where this prayer missions base is reaching out to this massive party hub and, and trying to change the spiritual atmosphere of this, this crazy party island and been in Switzerland meeting with these, these little experiments in new monasticism, people saying, what would it look like for us to explore monastic spirituality and, and create whole communities that are, are gospel-centric, which is really give ourselves to prayer mission um, so that we could be a blessing to larger communities around us across the German-speaking world. I've been in Austria uh, meeting with the Loretto movement. Loretto just had a huge conference, uh, Pentecost Sunday, in their, the biggest cathedral in Salzburg, um, they had 9,000 young adults, this was in secular Europe, 9,000 Catholic young adults full of the Holy Spirit asking for God's Spirit to come, and then like flooding out into the streets of Salzburg to carry his presence. It's crazy. I just feel like it's, I, I just look at it all, and I just give my head a shake and say, how did I get here, and what am I doing here? And, and um, yeah, I just, I, just, I just felt like I got interrupted and taken into this new place. And I, I know that what they say, it said in your little flyers, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. That's actually not true. I'm not going to. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't, I was too busy sort of doing New York City to give um, the, the sermon title. But what I do want to talk about with you a little bit is, is what does it look like for us to be interrupted by God and to be empowered by him into the next thing? So I'm calling it filled up. Now what? Right, so, uh, so, so I think, and I, and I, and I always, I pray, you know, when I'm going to come and speak to a community, I'm always like, God, what do you want to say to them? And I'm not going to bring you a new word, you guys. I'm not, I'm not a super fancy theologian. I'm not, I'm not going to exegete this passage in a whole new way that's going to turn the lights on for you. But I'm hoping that I'm going to bring a now word. I'm hoping I'm going to remind you of something in the story of God that you probably already heard, but you need to be reminded of it just right now. Because it feels like a key moment. It was your birthday last week. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> it was the birthday of the church last week, globally. Happy birthday to you, church. Pentecost Sunday. And just FYI, you know the Kingdom Come event that you're doing next, next week? That is not just local. Has Matt told you about that? So you will be part of, by participating in Kingdom Come, you will be part of over a million Christians who in last Sunday, and now next Sunday, have been in cathedrals across the earth asking for God's kingdom to come, thy kingdom come. So it isn't just a little local prayer meeting, just so you know. It's happening all over the world. Anyway, you guys are in a new season. You're moving location. It's a transition time. And so as you're in this transition time, I just wanted to, to reach back into uh, Paul's story where he hit this moment of transition, where he had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life, that changed his trajectory and uh, put him on a whole new path. Um, yeah. I'm just going to read it. We read the whole passage. Actually, I had a couple slides. They're probably not too real. I did these slides this morning. Sorry, I apologize. I hadn't had too much coffee yet. Is that even going to go? There we go. This is me right now. This is what I feel like. 
Everything they ask me to do, I'm like, you want me to do what? I, everything I'm doing in my new job, in my new role, is completely above my pray grade. I, I pray grade? No. <laughs> it's completely above my prayer grade. I, I have no idea what I'm doing most of the time, and somehow I'm surviving. But I feel like that all the time. And, uh, but here's us. That's you. Now what? Okay, we're moving. We're in a new season. God's doing something new. Now what? What could happen? Paul got interrupted by the Lord. And then in this interruption, here's what he says. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will seen of me. And I, my, my simple message to you today um, is that God wants us to get up, he wants us to get low, and he wants us to get real. He wants us to get up, get low, and get real. I think, we, I think sometimes when you're thinking missional family and reaching the city and all this stuff, it can feel really, really complicated and overwhelming. You guys, this is not rocket science. This is not. This is simple. Following Jesus is not easy, but it's simple. We just have to get up, get low, and get real. So get up. I think it's funny, actually, that when God tells Paul to get up, it was after God knocked him down, but that's a whole other sermon. So (laughs) I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel overwhelmed. Does anybody ever feel overwhelmed by life? Yeah? Yeah? just feels too big and too difficult, and I feel too small. And, and I, I, I get to this point inside of me where I call it armadilloing. You know the armadillo? There's a little kind of creatures that just sort of curl into a ball. And, you know, and I just want to tuck myself into bed. When I think about what I have to do and, and, and the scope of my responsibilities, I really, truly, I'm just, I, everything is inside of me sometimes just wants to shrink back and shut down. I want to curl up in bed and pull over the covers numb out, take the edge off, maybe with Netflix or something. Nobody's ever done that, I know. But um, I get 101 reasons why my life is too big and too complex for me. I, I struggle with imposter syndrome. I struggle with comparison. I'm working right now with some world-class leaders, and I'm a worship leader, and, and I'm doing stuff with Tim Hughes, and I'm like, what am I even doing here? You know, this is just ridiculous. And And um, everything, I just feel really, really small, and life feels really, really big. And Paul, in this situation, he had every reason to feel disqualified for the new assignment. He called himself the chief of all sinners. I mean, he had been on the road murderously persecuting the church. And God knocks him down, and then God says, get up. And I think the encouragement to you, to all of you, is it's okay if you feel like an imposter. It's okay if your life is too big and if you feel too small. It's okay if you're overwhelmed. Because guess what? It's not about you. Turn to the person beside you and say, it's not about you. And then turn to the person, the other person, and say, oh, what a relief. (laughs) it's not about you it's not about me it's not about us St. Clair it's not about us 
it's not about me. Um, I once heard John Dawson speak. John Dawson was one of the founders of YWAM, global ministry, massive responsibilities. And he said this, I love it. He says, I get up every morning out of bed like a little child. I get up out of bed like a little child. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about your mishfam. It's not about St. Clair. Because you are a people empowered by the Holy Spirit. But what you need to do is you need to get up. You need to get up. When you feel like shrinking back, get up. I love it. In Alcoholics Anonymous, they say, um, suit up and show up. Right? So that's, that's, I want you to do that. Because history, the history of the church is full of ordinary people. Normal, ordinary, unexceptional people who do extraordinary things. This is, these are two of my friends. This is Aisha Reventar, Zion Gopi Singh. These were two young women who decided 12 years ago, you know what, we want to see night and day prayer covering the city of Toronto. But we're nobodies. We are like nobodies from nowhere. And nobody's going to get us or understand what we're doing, but we're just going to start to pray. And so they got up every morning at 6. Well, they got up earlier than 6, but they started to pray from 6 until noon every morning. They found a location. Zion actually had to take like an hour bus ride to get there every day. So she took an hour bus to get up 6 till noon every day, saying, you know what? We want to see prayer. We want to see our generation called to a lifestyle of prayer. And that's what they do just every day. Normal people, ordinary people. And over the last 12 years, they have discipled a generation of young people across the city of Toronto. They've raised up more prayer, catalyzed, energized, um, so much prayer over the city of Toronto. These women are generals in the body of Christ. And they were just two young girls who said, you know what? God told us to get up. And so we're going to do it. Anyway, those are, those are some friends of mine. They totally inspire me. And uh, so get up. Number two, uh, get low. Get low. God says to Paul, get up. I have appointed you to serve. I have appointed you to serve. Turn to somebody and say, you're appointed to serve. The introverts hate this, right? You want me to say something to somebody? I know. I apologize. Actually, I'm sorry, not sorry. But you're appointed You're appointed to serve. Service is my love language. Anybody got service as their love language? None of you have service as your love language? Five, yeah, okay. <laughs> Diane's like, yeah, service is his love language. Uh, service is my number one love language. And, and I remember probably about 10 years ago, my daughter, Hannah, came up to me. I was in the kitchen. And she said, oh, mommy, can I do anything for you? And I burst into tears. I was just like, blah. And I was like, that is the nicest thing anybody has ever said to me. <laughs> anyway, service is my love language. I think service is also God's love language. He has other languages too. But you know what, you guys, all you have to do is serve. You don't have to, you don't have to try and... It's, it's that simple. It's that simple. Mishfams, as you're thinking about how you're going to love your neighborhood, all you have to do is serve. All you, and, and you know what? That's, that's what people need, right? 
It doesn't have to be complicated. Look for a need and fill it. That's all you have to do. And, and just offer the gift that you are. I mean, I serve in lots of ways. One of the ways I serve is by leading. Because I have leadership gifts and leadership skills. And so I offer that gift and skill as an act of service. Some of you are musicians. You serve with your music. Some of you are engineers. You can help, I don't know, build somebody a bridge. I don't, but <laughs> just offer the gift that you are and serve. Because it's interesting, Matt, I have here in my sermon notes, your gifts are not for yourself. They are for others. (laughs) It's like your blessings, right? Your gift has not been given just to enrich your own life or the life of your little family, right? That's not what it's for. The gift that you've been given is to serve. Our lives are given to give ourselves away. I was was visiting, I, I won't tell you which community, but... Sometime in the last months, I was, I was visiting a community, and I talked to them on the phone, and I said, hey, I'm just going to come and visit, and it was my first time visiting them. I just want to come and hang out with you and pray. And they were like, what? Um, that's it? Do we have to pay you? And I, I said, no. So you don't want to do like a big workshop and get the big check. Very honest. It was a, this is a very honest conversation. I was like, no. <laughs> I just want to come. And they were like, okay, you could do it. And they were a little bit scared, you know. What, what was the catch? So we just came and we hung out with them and we prayed with them. And, and, and as we left, they said, wow, you know, we live in such a transactional culture. It was completely unprepared for a gift with no strings attached. So you have been appointed to serve your service is your gift. I'm going to introduce you to another friend of mine who just gets low. His name, her name is Lucy. She's, she's fantastic. Lucy's so great. Lucy right now is in a town in Spain called Ibiza. She's part of our 24-7 family. Here's how Lucy serves. She gets up. Well, she sleeps most of the day, and then she gets up at 10 o'clock at night. She goes into the nightclubs. She actually loves clubbing, and she loves Jesus. Go figure. So she goes into the clubs at night with a team of people. And, uh, and then as the clubs start to empty out and as the partying gets really hard, they help people get home safely. So they've got all these wheelchairs so people are completely drunk and stoned. They just kind of wheel them off to their hotel. And if it's too far for a hotel, they've got a van that they lovingly call the vomit van. <laughs> I won't tell you why. But, um, <laughs> but that's what they do. And they prevented so many rapes. Right? They prevented so many situations. And so they're just mopping up drunk and deranged people all night. She works, I don't know how many nights a week she does. I think they do about four nights a week, like on their, their various shifts. But 10 p.m. until 4 a.m., she just serves. And, and she got so inspired by doing that. She's in Ibiza right now. When she's not in Ibiza, she does the same thing. At home, she's actually set up this little 24-7 prayer room in the heart of London, and she got trained in chaplaincy, not to be a hospital chaplain, and not to be like a university chaplain. She's a hooker chaplain. She actually is a chaplain in the strip clubs in London. And they love her. She loves them. So she just serves. Anyway, so that's my friend Lucy. She's amazing. Just a really wonderful... She's just normal. I'm a little bit crazy, but... But, but she's just a, a, a normal person filled with the power of the Holy Spirit who just said, yeah, I'm going to get up and I'm going to serve.
And then uh, I don't have enough time to tell you about my other friend, Cherie. Another time, ask me about Cherie. This last one, get real. We're appointed to serve and to be a, a witness, right? So we're not appointed to be a theological debate. We're appointed to be a witness. So as we get up and as we serve, we have a story that we can tell. I'm not talking about, oh, this is sort of, I had a conversation once, God bless her, she was an amazing woman, um, but whenever I talked to her, I was just talking to her theology. Have you ever had that experience? You're having a conversation with somebody and you're just hearing their theology? I'm like, hello, are you in there somewhere behind all the Bible verses? No? <laughs> and, and I'm like, ah, who are you? And, and I want to actually get to know you and I want to get to know the the real you, because I know that the real you has met the real Jesus. And in our culture, in our neighborhoods, we have people who are not interested in our theology, but they're interested in the real us who have met the real Jesus and who could tell a real story about who he is and how he can change their lives. So St. Clair, five-year-old St. Clair, doing mishfam blessings of the neighborhood and moving to your new building. This next phase, this invitation of God into your life as a community is not difficult. Well, maybe it's difficult, it's, but it's simple. <laughs> you just need to get up. You need to get low. Keep finding ways to serve your community, your neighbors, the ones around you. And you need to get really... Probably the greatest gift you carry as a gospel people is your story. Your real story of you and the real Jesus. You as a living letter being enfleshed into this neighborhood. What have you seen? What have you experienced? What's God done in your life as an individual? What's God done in your missional family? And what's God done in this larger community?